The Stage Door Show. Celebrating the independent artist. With your host, Dave Hondell. Hi everybody, welcome to The Stage Door Show tonight. This is Dave Hondell. Our guest tonight is a classically trained actor and producer with nearly 50 credits to his name and uh, continues to grow from there. So let's uh, bring him in to discuss his amazing work. So welcome to the show, Mike Markoff. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. I'm so, so happy to be here, man. Yeah, me too. We are too. And uh, we're so happy that, uh, you know, we got to connect on uh, social media and to have you on the show tonight. Uh, but, you know, I knew you grew up in the art-rich city of Chicago, Illinois, and I just wanted to know, did that kind of have a, a piece in you being interested in getting into the arts and into acting? Huge. Absolutely huge. And, uh, you know, Chicago, um, if you, if the listeners don't know, is, a, you know, just a massive, massive theater town. You know, um, obviously Steppenwolf, uh, Second City, Goodman Theater, it's known as a great playwright and journalism city. So I was... I was birthed into theater, the theater scene in Chicago, really, really young. Yeah, so. I mean, Chicago's a great, you know, the Chicago theater and, and just so many great great uh, venues, like you said, in the theater and, uh, you know, and, and also a great, uh, you know, movie town. A lot of films were, were made there and, you know, and uh, Home Alone, I mean, did you did you kind of get into the, a lot of the films that were filmed there and that kind of add to that, uh, I guess, uh, you know, love of, of arts. Totally. Well, yeah, I mean, all of those, I mean, particularly the John Hughes films, what's, what's so interesting is, you know, I grew up in the, the Northern suburbs, which was literally where like, I mean, where 16 candles was shot, right, breakfast right. club, home alone, everything. I mean, the high school right next to mine was where all that was shot at. So I, I essentially grew up in like the eighties teen movie right. neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> now that's yeah, a Highland so. park, North park. Is, is that, is that, am I right there? Is that where yeah, that was yeah, from? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm from uh, right next to Highland Park. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know. I know that uh, a lot of those great films were, were done there, and you know, I grew up in that era. You know, I grew up in the '80s, so for me, that was just uh, the best time in, in movies for, for what I can remember. And you know, and also, you know, yourself, you you've been in a lot of you know series and movies, and uh, you know, Death Squad from the CW series, Death Squad. I mean, you were the lead in that, and you know, that's that's one of those amazing. You know, I, I love the series actually, and you know, and um, in your part as well, it's kind of a gritty. You play a lot of gritty characters in your uh, in your work and you know talk about that you know a gritty kind of gritty characters and is that something you're kind of drawn to or is that something that you like to audition for yeah i think it's um it's both but both of that both of those are basically the product of of sort of how my career kind of naturally unfolded honestly um i i, I was auditioning for like normal dudes and i was not booking them um, you know, the, the charming guy, the cute guy sure. or any of these kind of romantic leads. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't booking them. Uh, and it was, uh, and you know, <laughs> in retrospect, the, the roles that I started booking, which were more of these kind of antagonists, anti-heroes and deeply flawed individuals. Um, I somehow was able to empathize with a lot more sure. because, Maybe because I spent a lot of time thinking about my own flaws, and so when I and when I saw them uh, in characters, it kind of came a little bit more natural to me. Um, yeah, because I'm, I'm you know I, I've been known typically to get to get cast against type, and so <laughs> you know it's 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 kind of funny how you think your career is going to go in in one kind of direction, and then your art, the way it kind of manifests itself, 
you realize that, you know, your strengths are in a different direction. Yeah. And I found that I found that I I deeply enjoyed getting to the genesis of why someone behaves badly. And it's I mean, of course, it's almost always pain. Right. 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 And I kind of like to I sort of like to to do the dance with that pain. And, you know, some of it is there readily available in the script. Uh, some of it's takes a lot of investigation and some of it you sort of create, you know, that life. And I've, I guess I just kind of enjoyed that. And, and I think even as an audience member, I like those characters more. I get jealous of characters acting very bravely of characters acting with extraordinary compassion. Of course, these are all qualities that I, that I want to have. Right. But I found myself rooting for the guy who was just kind of, <laughs> yeah. Who keeps fucking up. Yeah. The underdog. And, yeah. Uh, Right. Yeah. And, um, or even, yeah. And so I, I, I just, I guess I kind of resonated with that and, and I spend, and I think audience members in general, because look, we're all, we're all flawed human beings right. walking this very difficult earth, this world that's filled with like pain Right. that, you know, even if you personally got everything that you wanted, you know, that your neighbor could easily be suffering. Yeah. And so like, yeah, you know, this is the world we live in. It's, it's the arena. It's all this, there's so much um, there. There's so much conflict and intensity in, in the existence of our lives, and and, and I guess uh, finding those uh, in the scripts and in the characters kind of became a, um, sort of my strong suit, I would say. And then you know a lot of, and this is really hard to do for actors, but I you know wanted to ask you this question. You know, talking about some of the characters, you know, some of them are, are on the darker side, and. You know, but they're likable, and I know we just kind of talked about touching on a little bit just now. But you know, being being, it's a, I think a lot of us have flaws. But how do you how do you kind of you know make your character likable? Because sometimes I'll watch a movie, and we'll watch a dark character, and that person, if you know, if that they if if the acting is 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 great you'll actually believe that that's the person, you know, like you'll kind of walk away like, Oh my gosh, you know, that was like such a good performance that I really believed it. But then when you have like a, a dark character that you can really root for and, you know, and it's almost like conflicting for the audience because you're not supposed to like this, like this person, I guess, but then you end up liking somebody. Is that a conscious effort for you to try to make that character likable in a way, if that makes sense? Well, I'd like to think it's a, it's a byproduct of, of perhaps, uh, of perhaps do, doing, uh, the character justice. Yeah. Um, but you know, yes, there's, there's a part of me that's thinking, you know, I, I want the audience to relate to this character. You know, somebody being bad for the sake of being bad is, is just crap. Yeah. It just doesn't, it just, right. it, it exists in a very rare psychopath kind of, kind of form. Right. Most, mo most of us are, most of us <laughs> have, have villainous, tendencies towards us even if, even right. if they're just small you know we, we we think the wrong thoughts or sure sometimes we, we you know we, we make the wrong decisions so to kind of answer your question um i think i force the audience to empathize with me right. so i'm not going to show them somebody who's behaving bad for the sake of being bad because to me that's not real it's kind of sort of cartoonish it's a little bit more classic villain yeah. you know in a superhero yeah. kind of context yeah but like a human being who is victimizing another human being right. is probably a part of some kind of cycle of, of victimization that was done to them. And the way I try to empathize with people in general is I, I think about how, when they were, when they were kids and what, 
struggles that we mutually would have had with guys if it's if it's puberty and, and, and trying to trying to get the girl or being bullied or any of these things. And so my characters, I'm always I'm often very much their past. I try to keep their past kind of very alive. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it, in in everything that they do, so so that you're not seeing this guy who's just being bad. You are seeing right. an eight year old boy, right? Exactly, an eight year old boy whose parents neglected him, who suffered right. and spent so much time being alone, staring out his window, watching the other cool kids yeah. have great lives. I, I I like to think that that's what the audience sees. That's certainly what I what yeah. I try to see. I try to. I try to justify my character's actions, even if they're horrendous. And uh, look, I've, I've played like, of course, I, look, I've, I've played a child molester before. And so it's like, and it has to still has to fall within that same, right. same sort of realm. You, sure. have to, you can't just sit there and judge the character. You have, right. you have to create a life there that, yeah. you know, that's genuine. Yeah, I mean, that must take a lot of work. And I mean, just kudos to you for being able to do that successfully as well. Uh, you know, you also take on roles that are that are physical, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, with weapons, perhaps, or, you know, on, on horseback or whatever. And do you enjoy that type of thing, you know, doing your own, like, kind of stunt work, so to speak? I mean, is that fun for you? Yeah, there's there, there's a part of me in, in some of these roles uh, where I'm really living out some childhood fantasies of, like, trying to be the superhero. You know, obviously, you know, Death Squad, you know, just being, <laughs> being this dude with a machete, right. <laughs> using it like a samurai sword against zombies and everything. It was awesome. Of course, this, this wasn't like a, you know, that role, that that whole experience, the whole idea of that wasn't to go put on an acting seminar yeah. for, the, for, for tomorrow's youth of actors or anything like that. That was kind of me having some fun and, and what was a really fantastic ensemble experience uh that we shot in armenia of course at that time we just we knew we were doing an independently financed show um we didn't know that it was en route to being sold to cw for the first round of united states distribution so that was surprising and cool and a lot of fun very cool you know and uh the other thing about, about your training your classical training you know when did that start? I mean, when did you start like really kind of getting serious about acting? Because some, sometimes it's people, you know, being in drama, I guess, in high school drama class. And, you know, sometimes they, they, they get to college and it's something that they, they have an interest in maybe pursuing. When did that serious acting bug, I guess, hit you? Yeah. So, I mean, I started really young, like performing in musicals at my temple. <laughs> and it started there and then it just kind of, it unfolded as the school system, which was still a public school system, but where I was at, I went to this high school called Stevenson High School, where uh, had this amazing fine arts program with all of these different wealth of classes. I mean, for God's sake, my teacher was a playwright at Steppenwolf. Oh, wow. Winning Joseph Jefferson Awards. Yeah, his name is Joel Drake Johnson. Cool. Uh, he, was, he was an extraordinary, extraordinary man. Uh, I say that because he, he passed away a few years ago, and he... Uh, you know, he would take us on field trips into the city, like my freshman year, um, to go to Victory Gardens Theater, Steppenwolf Theater for these different workshops uh, for showcasing. I was really into, I was into playwriting when I was younger as well. And so that really kind of fed the fire. You're doing kind of, you know, in high school theater, I'm sure anyone, any actors can like attest to like, so like political and intense and it's your whole life. And, yeah. you know, that's where I remember first kind of taking it seriously. And then I got cast in this theater company called Reality Theater, where um, we traveled all along, all around the uh, Chicagoland area um, doing these self-produced uh, theater shows. 
and that was at the age of 14. And so when it kind of became like a, a daily muscle that I was exercising and I was, uh, I was starting to see what I could do. And I'm, I'm like a pretty like mediocre kid at the time, sort of this, this overweight little chunkster who's not really good at math, not really good at sports. He's not really good at anything, but man, I got on stage and I was like a young Chris Farley. It's like you found, you like, found yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I got deeply involved in improv really young too. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then it just kind of, it sort of unfolded from there and lots of theater and then got cast in my first movie when I was 16. Just wow. It, really by mistake. I mean, I found out about this casting for this, this horror film. Uh, and it, you know, it, it did pretty okay. I ended up getting released by universal Wow. and, and then, yeah, I didn't really look back from there um, up until a certain point uh, where I, I quit the industry for a while, but yeah. yeah, it was always, it was sort of one foot in front of the other and, 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 I guess there's a lot of different, you know, look, there's a lot of people who are interested in theater in high school and really intense about it. And then they get to college and it kind of drifts away. Yeah. It just, uh, for me, it was like, once it started, the ambition kind of was, was really hardcore. And I was Googling stuff back. And this is like, we're talking like 2001, 2002. I just realized that I could find out any information that I wanted about this industry. So I found out how to get an agent when I was 15. I found, I, I, I just Googled it and I just cold emailed I cold emailed everybody. Yeah. In fact, I, 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 I would say that I still do it to a certain extent, but if I want something, I'm going to put the feelers out there and, and learn. That's yeah. sort, of, sort of how it happened. Well, I think that's, that's an important message for our listeners because we, you know, with our, with our artists that listen, whether, you know, whether actors, singers, no matter what they do, I think that's an important message that, you know, it's, it's, you know, even if you have an agent or manager, you know, you have to do things yourself. I mean, it's, it's a lot of it is hard work and, you know, most of it is. And, and, you know, talk about that piece because I think, you know, when, when you're, um, when you're getting into acting or any kind of uh, entertainment field, I mean, a majority of it is the business end of things. And, and, you know, smaller portion is actually the, the acting or the singing or whatever. A lot of it's business, right? right. Yeah. 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 Entirely. So there's a couple, there's just, there's just a couple like, you know, a couple foundations that, that have to be there uh, in which you can begin to have uh, into building a thriving career. And it, I don't care who you are or, or what the circumstance is, but if you're able to get a resume and a reel, I mean, that is, it, it needs to be there and it needs to be solid. And we, we live in a time where you can go on the internet for free and find unpaid acting jobs and get the footage and get the experience that you need and then save up from in any way you can to get a, a professional headshot. If you do not have real footage, and you do not have a headshot, the agents or managers or whomever is just not going to, not going to listen. Now look people. Yes. It's not, this isn't 1991 where you're going to go get discovered because you work at the Burger King in studio city and you made friends with a casting director or a director or a producer or something like that. You got to, you just have to put in the work. Yes, having having the craft and you know being a good actor is, is is always important. But you just have to get on backstage the app backstage.com, whatever it is, actors access all of these things, and you need to audition for things that are unpaid at first. Yeah. I mean, you can audition for paid things too. Yeah. In fact, I you know some people out of gate. They book them. They do incredible, and they don't look back. Yeah. Um, but if you're just out of if you're just out of like your BFA program, 
from wherever you've decided between LA, New York, I guess technically you can go to Atlanta or New Orleans now too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Being drunk, but, um, Chicago and, yep. and you need to get real footage. There has to be proof in the pudding that you can do the thing. And it used to be impossible. Like there wasn't, we live in a time where we're oversaturated with content and that for, and for the purposes of this conversation, it's a damn good thing Yeah, because right. everybody and their sister are making movies. Yeah, It's very easy now. You can do it from a cell phone. It, actually, these cell phone movies are actually looking pretty damn right. good. And it's kind of surprising. <laughs> exactly. Get yeah. the footage of you doing the thing. Yep. And, and you do something good enough. If your acting is, is there and, and you get um, a, rep, a rep to take a look at it, um, it's a very good chance that they could be smitten with your talent and your craft and your ability, which by the way, speaking of which we're also oversaturated with representation now too. Yeah. So just getting a beginner rep almost, almost wouldn't be too difficult either. Yeah. Getting a good one that takes, it makes a lot of difference for one thing. Yeah. Um, but you still got to do but, the work yourself, even if you have representation. I mean, right. I mean, oh, yeah, you think about the reps have hundreds of, of, of actors and, you know, you gotta you gotta still do the work. You know yourself. You can't Absolutely. rely on your reps to do it. I get so surprised by people when I people who are still sort of in Act One of their of their career, and they're like, "Oh, I don't self submit." Like, why not? Yeah, right. There's incredible. There are incredible projects out there. Incredible. The time I got to first like really quit my day job was like a, a, a crappy audition on backstage that ended up paying me $400 a day for 30 days. And wow. I was able to quit my day job and not look back. And that's backstage. And people, people crap on backstage and they shouldn't. No. Everything under the sun is up on there. Yeah. It's taken me to other countries and, yeah. and things like that. So It's crazy. Yeah. You know, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, because of all your work that you've done, and you're also a producer as well, so this is an important question for my listeners, but talk about the importance of being nice to people and treating everybody on set um, professionally, I guess, and and what you know h- how you want to be treated, I guess, because I think it's a small world in in this entertainment business. And uh, you know, talk about the importance of of that. Let's let's uh, let's let's like lay the circumstances here. You're uh, you're a young actor. You've just come out of theater school, um, and in theater school. Um, you were in a, a nice air-conditioned theater, sitting on a cushy chair, and one by one, each of you had time to prepare for it, ample time to prepare for the scene or the monologue that you're going to go do. You go and you walk up to the stage, you do it, done, and scene. And that is end scene, because that's never going to happen in your professional life. In your professional life, you're going to be too hot, too cold. You're not going to get enough sleep. You didn't get enough time to prepare. You had to drive six hours to get to this natural splendor in Sedona and you had to wake up at 2 a.m. to get for what I'm trying to say here is that you are never going to ever have optimal acting conditions and what usually happens on set and I see this all the time and I'm also very guilty of this at least I, I was is I would feel victimized because something wasn't going right on set and I turned into an asshole really quick and I felt like somehow entitled like oh but I I'm, I'm wet and I'm cold I'm not going to be able to do the scene right and you are never going to have the ap- optimal acting conditions that you had in your air-conditioned, cushy-seated theater classroom. Be prepared for that. And what's going to happen is you 
people on set, which is a highly dynamic environment, highly dynamic. You've got all these different unions. You have all these people doing their jobs and you have like some of these, some of these movies are, are, are costing the GDP of small countries. Like they're, you know, yeah. and then, but, but of course the same goes for, for small and independence too. It is a really intense creative environment with a lot of different crafts all happening at once. Yeah. All it is your job to be there and to be an asset no matter what. And being a pleasant person and a good person goes so far. I was, I, I reference this sometimes on the, on the set of death squad, we were shooting sometimes 16, 17 hour days, a hundred degrees in these dilapidated underground post-apocalyptic phone infrastructure parts of Armenia yeah. where sometimes I wasn't fed or I didn't have water available to me. And I was, there was a few moments there where I was like, I was like a little, <laughs> I, I, I was a little like intense to be around. And there's this other actor on set. His name's Mike Ferguson, tattoos all over his body and his face, gigantic beast of a man, yeah. but like this big teddy bear. And he was always, he always had this positive attitude. He was always so kind to everybody, even though he had like, God forgive me if he, he's gonna he's gonna end up listening to this. You know, chronic diarrhea, missing his wife, not enough time to prepare, yeah. all this. And the guy is smiling, and uh, he just comes up to me and he says, "Yo, Mike, we're gonna be eating shit sandwiches on this set the whole time, and we're gonna smile when we eat it." <laughs> and from that moment on, I think about I think about him yeah. uh, when I'm on sets and I feel like adversity. It's like it goes so far to be a, a good person, to be an asset because every single day things are going to go wrong. Yeah. And every single, everybody on that set has an excuse to be an asshole. Yeah. Cause everybody on that set has been victimized. When we get victimized, we start lacking empathy. Yeah. And, and that's when movies like become bad. That's why big studio movies, for example, with like that have a, a $10 million budget for market research somehow still make a bad movie. How do you do that with $150 million? It's because it's a very creative, tender animal that you have to nurture. And everybody knows, like, when you're on a set, when the creative juices are flowing and people are getting along and everybody has this forward momentum, it's usually because of good directing and good producing. Yeah. Um, you just, you know that you're a part of something special and something magical happens on set in some kind of magical moment. And, and um you just uh, you won't achieve that otherwise. Sorry, long-winded uh, no. answer to the question there. <laughs> no, it's but it's absolutely true and well said. And um, so that's I think is one of the most important things that we that we talk about on the show. But uh, the other thing I, I I know that you have so many new releases and a lot of things that just came out. Wrong place, wrong time. Escape to the Cove. Uh, you know, Stolen Season, which I, I understand took a lot of festival uh, awards, which is amazing, and also a theatrical release called Soul Eclipse. So talk about some of those those uh, newly released uh, films and, and what we can expect from some, some of your work that just got put out. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of those were actually were, were COVID movies and were a lot of fun. Escape to the Cove was one of my favorites, um, and that was really, that was during lockdown, and uh, uh, the writer-director, Robert Enriquez, he's like, you know, there's nobody on the streets right now. It'd be a really great time to do a, a post-apocalyptic, you know, movie here. Right, so right. he kind of, he threw that together and grabbed like uh, Eric Roberts and a couple of other really talented actors and um, 
yeah, we made this movie during during lockdown, and yeah, it ended up getting a, a great release. It was it's still one of my it's it's my best reviewed performance ever, uh, which was so. <laughs> I just I because you, you get mixed reviews sometimes, and you sure. think, but I mean, this one was just this one was just consistently like, wow, this this psychopathic <laughs> uh, <laughs> psychopathic character just yeah. sort of chewing on all of his scenes. They let me improvise a great deal of it, yeah. which was just so much. Uh, so much fun and yeah so that one's that one's out in the ether stolen seasons is a fantastic film and i'm I'm working with that director uh two months from now uh in alaska on a a really interesting thriller called act in bail and uh yeah and then you know the recent installment that's happened lately has been these kind of um made for tv kind of vibes which is actually in a strange way in a roundabout way an interesting step for me um not because they're on like you know, TV out delivered out to a, a, a channel changing middle America or anything like that. It's more so because these are some kind of roles that, you know, when we, when we kind of began our conversation, where we talked about, you know, I'm playing these antagonists, and these ant- anti-heroes. Yeah. I'm starting to sort of jump into some of these more um, romantic kind of leads, which is really like, <laughs> I would just say like, Oh, like, Oh, well, Mike, how come you don't go do romantic leads? It's like, it's not that it's a choice. I just don't think they're really going to want me. I've got this, I got this crooked face. I'm a very, very weird kind of guy here. Um, but Lifetime, God bless them. They're starting to get a little bit more cinematic. They're starting to get a little bit more real. They're getting more colorful, sure. which is important. Yeah. And uh, and and they're also like starting to hold a magnifying, gla- magnifying glass to, 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 to real people. So right, uh, right. I have this uh, this one coming out next month which is a part of a slate of films called like sex lies and something <laughs> off, off the wall, just like, okay. Um, but the movie was called mystery in paradise, but they, I was told this during set. They're like, by the way, you know, just so you know, they are going to change the name to make it something kind of steamy. Okay. And I was like, Oh <laughs> gosh. And then it came out a couple of days ago. Cause it, I think it's premiering uh, August 20. 20th or yeah august 20th or something and saturday night okay and it's now it's now going to be called um temptation under the sun oh wow nice which kind of feels a bit <laughs> like a kind of like that that title it would have been a buzzword for me when i was like 13 right and it was right. like 90s and it's like cinemax after 10 p.m yeah right <laughs> when you like discover that and you're like oh uh, yeah <laughs> but it's not c17 <laughs> yeah yeah no it's actually it's actually a it's like a quirky island uh yeah. romance comedy which was it was so which was so much fun to do i worked with such fantastic people the director lane shepter bishop she is incredible my co-star in that uh the lead annika foster she was so wonderful wonderful to work with and that was just a that was a great experience so some of these made for tv movie vibes hallmark lifetime all this it's actually been a lot of fun for me because i'm I'm usually screaming at the top of my lungs at like little kids or abusing people or like yeah. walloping in my self pity yeah. uh, 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 of, and it kind of felt nice to, to just kind of be like, yeah. to be a normal guy. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay. It's, a, it's a normal guy in an extraordinary situation. I think that's every single movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's been a good time. So the, all, all those are going to start coming out soon. Kind of, I'm sort of interested to see, you know where that lands. I don't know if this is going to turn me into like a soap app, a soap opera actor. <laughs> but I I don't know. You know, you just you just kind of you just want to keep doing what's in front of you, and it's always yeah. fun to shift. And well, I do not try to keep a preconceived notion of of what my career is supposed to be or, or yeah. what type of, of actor I'm supposed to be. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of just sort of um, following it as it comes. You know, I took 
I, from the age of 20 to 30, I, I, I quit acting and I, I moved abroad where really? I just, I know it's strange, but I was gone. Yeah. I've only been, I've really only been back for six years. Oh, wow. And I completely, um, I just relished in doing new things. And I got to tell you, the actor that I was before I left and the actor that came back was starkly different because the actor beforehand just kind of knew acting in a vacuum. Yeah, I just right. kind of, I, I knew the craft. Yeah. Look, I, I read the Tennessee Williams plays like we all did and, you know, acted them out and understood intentions and super intentions and all these kinds of objective things. But it wasn't until like I experienced change in my life where I actively sought out things other than acting. Yeah. It kind of, it's amazing how um, that kind of, just learning to be a good human being was the best thing I could ever do as an actor and learning to be a good human being was by yeah. seeing new places, other cultures, seeing what other jobs I, I, I would love doing. And yeah, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a scrappy existence of me beaching myself in random places in the world for almost no reason whatsoever. Well, you know, that actually sounds, sounds great to me. I mean, cause I think sometimes, you know, we have to take a step back from something we love to see if we really do love that, you know, to come back to it again. You know, obviously this is something that's your calling, uh, but, but sometimes taking a step away from a creative endeavor makes you even stronger when you come back because you were able to experience different things and kind of clear your mind, I guess, and come back as a stronger person. So I think that's, that's amazing, actually, that, that you did that. I think it also, it kind of gave me uh, my purpose in yeah. acting because when I, and this was, this was just as a disclaimer here, this was borderline destructive pattern behavior of me when I left the country and I just wanted to explore for the sake of exploring and just kind of take myself away from what I knew and people that I knew, but I, I would be in these places. I mean, thousands of miles away from anybody who cared if I lived or died. And my motivation came from fictional characters in movies okay but most principally like you know Viggo Mortensen Michael Shannon all these all these actors who were playing these characters who were who were behaving in such a way and experiencing storytelling when I was on my own was the most powerful and profound motivator I had in my life yeah and I kind of I think I sort of keep that ever present when I'm um you know as as a sense of purpose the, the concept of storytelling as Anthony Abeson, who also was my teacher, was Jaden's Jaden's uh, uh, coach as well. But you know, he used to say that, like in ancient tribes, the storytellers were amongst like the most regarded in the tribe. It was such an important thing to do. Right. It, um, okay, we're not talking about facts. We're talking about mythology and these and these these stories that are meant to meant to motivate, meant to encourage. Some of them are cautionary tales, and I think and I think that sense of purpose when it comes to you know, I, I guess I, I think about that when I when I play these characters, and sometimes I am playing something that's meant to be looked at as a, as a source of motivation, and sometimes it's a story where it's like, hey, don't be like this guy. Yeah, this is what this is what you know. Like, this is what can happen, and so that was. Yeah, I, I really I, I think about Mike in his twenties all the time as my audience. Yeah, I think about this kid who's out there out there with not really too much to hold on to granted it wasn't due to any circumstances other than his own selfish meanderings but you know all the same you know there's yeah. that that's sort of like i guess i would say my sense of purpose there is to to try to you know 
try mm-hmm. to motivate others as I was motivated in that way. Well, I think being an actor too, you're able to to draw on a lot of personal experiences and a lot of you know good or bad from your past. I think it's you know you can use that as motivation for whatever character that you're playing. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, is if you ever you know wanted to get back into the theater. Have you ever thought about you know doing you know Broadway shows or anything like that? Is that something that's in your future? Yeah, you know it's funny. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, I'm, I'm always seeking that theater experience on set, and I, I never get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, there's a there's a part of you when you start in theater that you never get used to. Everybody being silent while you're performing. The crews they're not allowed to say things. They're not supposed to laugh either. Right. Yeah. But I'm always I'm always trying to get a rise out of it. They exist. <laughs> Just kind of like when you're when you're on stage and you are connecting with the audience, but you're you're not you're you're in you're in character, but right. you are you're, you're technically connecting. Um, there's that never goes away. Where you're kind of like you're, you're there on set and you have all these people, and I I am literally I'm, I'm trying to get them to screw up their jobs in my mind. I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I want you to I want you to break. Want you, hey, gaffers, stop <laughs> yeah. gaffing and start laughing. Uh, that didn't I didn't mean for that to rhyme for the record. Yeah, yeah. That would be very cheesy <laughs> if I planned it like that. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, but the other thing too is as an actor on in movies. You, it is difficult. This is so difficult when you have to go in and you have to act for six seconds. Right. Like six super important seconds. There's no before, no after. You go, you do like a, a Sam Shepard play and you're like in it and raw for two hours and it's building it. You're in it. There's no chance of being yanked out of it. You're there connecting with the with everyone else on stage. The adrenaline's pumping. That's why it's so exciting in that clip from, from Haas for the record why I love that so much. I'm um, sorry if the viewers don't know what we're talking about, but I did. I did illegally send our friend here uh, a clip <laughs> of a movie that's not out yet. It's already been deleted. That <laughs> that, um, that scene was 13 pages. Um, yeah, I didn't show you the whole thing; just a chunk of it. Yeah. It was 13 pages. It took like 18 minutes, and I tell you, like, it is so incredible when you have a scene like that as an actor in movies because you know you normally don't get that when you're in it. And you stay in it and you're forced to listen, especially when it's a long scene. There's a lot of like back and forth. You are just in it for so long. It's incredible. And I miss that so much. And I just know if I just took a second and, and like, yeah, I'm gonna go audition for a play and just try to get back to my roots and do that, that gritty Chicago style. Where yeah. We're like, we're serious. <laughs> I'm not doing any of that singing New York shit. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, nah, it's just fine. No, singing, that's the lesson I've. Yeah. If I could, if I could, I would, but I can't, so I won't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the short answer is I would love to do theater. You know, it's so funny. There's, it takes so much, so much focus just to do what I'm normally doing now. Yeah. Which, you know, like yesterday, I think I, I had a uh, had like something like four, four like screen tests and or auditions that I was doing like virtually. Um, usually right now, sometimes in the middle of summer, everything is gearing up to shoot in late summer, early fall. It's super like right. busy time for actors if you've positioned yourself correctly. So like, it's just been a lot of like auditioning lately. And now like Westerns are coming back and yeah. it's so exciting. I they're love my that. Favorite thing. Yeah. They're my favorite things to do. Now yeah. look, here's the deal is uh, years ago, you know, when I said I was interested in doing Westerns, uh, my rep at the time was like, don't do that. Do not do Westerns. Do not try to go be a Western actor. 
because Mike had pulled up like a little chart and said, Mike, here's a chart of the highest grossing types of films and the lowest grossing. And what was last? Westerns. <laughs> but we're at a new time now. Yeah. Thanks to Taylor Sheridan, Kevin Costner doing Yellowstone in 1883 and all these like cool shows. And now Westerns have come back and they're all over the place. And I auditioned yeah. for like I, literally three of them yesterday. Yeah. And wow. I tell you, for my for my self tapes, and this is for any actor out there, like, and I, I'm I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't care if uh, some sage advice on the internet tells you to not dress up for it or don't put on don't don't get do whatever you have to do to make you feel like you're in that character. And for me, I got a bottle of oil, mm-hmm. spray it on myself, make it look like I'm yeah, <laughs> dripping sweat, yeah, yeah, dirt. And something comes alive in me. Yeah. And it works. And I book these, <laughs> these <laughs> a lot of times because I think I, I, I know that I look like it. I know that they know that I look like it. And something about that all mutual knowing makes me act better. Right. For I, sure. don't, I can't explain. Listen, this is an incredibly intangible art form. Yeah. Acting. Something that works today may not work tomorrow. There's no one recipe for any of this. I think Stella Adler even said that. Although yeah. she's got a lot of. She has a lot of different things for your, you know, your toolbox. Right, right. But you do, you do whatever it is you have to do. You are literally, I don't, what I do, because um, people ask me, because, you know, because I, I, I work pretty often. Yeah. They're like, so what's your process? I'm like, honestly, I got like 16 different things and only one of them works each time. So I'm basically <laughs> throwing spaghetti at the wall over and over again and seeing what sticks. Yeah. You have the opportunity now with self tapes yep. to do it as many times as you want. Right. Jaden. Jaden, uh, who you had uh, interviewed, he told me once back in the day, some years ago, we met under very strange circumstances mm-hmm. that I'm not going to repeat. <laughs> but we found out that we were both Apesonites. It's like a cult. We trained in New York under this man, sure. Anthony Apes- Apeson. He's yeah. like Mike Dumbledore, incredible yeah. man. Uh, but he's like, he's always talking, Jaden was always talking about the eyes. Get your eyes as close to camera yeah. as possible. Don't look into the lens because that's big no-no. And right. Makes directors uncomfortable. Right. Just as close as possible and keep that realm there. And I, t- I took that to heart. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, the self-tape, you have the opportunity to just yeah. to work it as much as you want. Granted, you know, you don't have that kick down the door with your charisma and, you yeah, know, yeah. high five the casting director. I'm Mike yeah. fucking Markov, how you doing? I'm the next yeah. actor in your movie. Yeah. Um, sorry if you have to bleep what I say. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not bleeping anything. <laughs> you know, yeah. So we don't have that anymore. But what you can do is you can you can perfect your self tape. And I and I and I coach uh, some of my friends and, and other actors sometimes. And I always get so surprised that when they stop, when they do. Yeah. And they be okay, cool. That's enough. You know, because I'll be their reader and I'll be helping out. And I'll be like, oh, did you? Did you think you you got what you wanted? He's like, yeah, no. They just want it to be over. It's like, listen, most people don't enjoy auditioning. Right. You're probably going to be rejected. You're going to feel like a jerk no matter what. Uh, you know, in, in the small case that, you know, you book it, that's that, that, that's great. But most of the time, you're just not. It's a nerve-wracking experience. You have to memorize something quick. It's due by a certain time. Yeah, right. You're given a bunch of adjectives. Right. Like, like f- for example, most of these auditions... You're auditioning for, if you're a dude, you're auditioning for a dude that's cool, charismatic, and charming. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I don't want that responsibility yeah. of having to be those adjectives. You are not playing adjectives. You are a human being. Correct. 
and those adjectives come as a byproduct. And, right, right. You know. Um, so, Mike, uh, you know, before we go here, I wanted to uh, ask you this question. You know, I, everybody wants to leave a legacy behind, and you know, and uh, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? What do you want people to think about when they think of Mike Markoff? Yeah, I mean, I do not care about my legacy as an actor. Uh, I'm hoping with each day that I'm somehow growing into the person that I want to become. And to me, that's, that's simply using whatever gifts I was given to, to help other people. And I think, I think, kind of think that's what makes the world go round. So like my short answer is like, and I think the most important thing in our lives are our relationships. And I think the most powerful relationship is, is that of, of parenthood. And so I think, honestly, I think I would just want to be remembered as a really great dad. And I think that's it. And I think that's all I'm going to hold myself to because when I think about how I'd want to be remembered, it would have to be like, what was my greatest responsibility? And was that responsibility fulfilled? Acting, look, as long as they keep letting me do it, I'm going to keep doing it. As long as I keep wanting to do it, I'm going to keep trying to do it. Yeah. But that might change. Who knows? You know, one thing I do know is that like, I'm excited to be a dad at some point. And I know I'm, I'm preparing the best way that I can, I think, to never mess that up. Everything else I can mess up, probably have messed up everything else. Being a good dad, I think, is for me uh, instinctively. And look, I've gotten to be one in character land before, and it has always been my like most profound motivator. Yeah. Um, strangely enough, my unborn son or daughter has been my strongest motivator as an actor. Yeah. I, I, I put him or her there all the time. I cast this unborn person all the time. And when I'm a bad guy doing bad things, and I think about my unborn son or daughter back home waiting for me, I will kill anyone. That's a horrible thing to say like that. But I just mean like you get the idea that when I have my, my given circumstances revolve around that. So I, have to, yeah. I just have to bring it back to that at the end of the day. Be a good dad. Uh, I get it. No, that's powerful. Thank you for that. You know, and Mike, uh, you know, thanks again. It was a great uh, chance meeting you on on social media, and you know, just uh, really appreciate you. You know, getting coming on the show with me, and uh, you know, and helping our artists out there, and just getting to know you. I mean, you're, you're a great guy, and uh, can't wait for your projects to come out. And um, you know, just I can't wait to have you on the show again. Hopefully someday. Awesome. It was such a such a pleasure being here, man. I really appreciate it.